Hey everybody, it's Bills by the Numbers presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. The 2022 NFL Draft is in the rearview mirror. A draft dominated by wide receivers. Or was it? We investigate. NFL Network's James Jones joins us to pick his NFL winners in this year's draft. And our one burning question asks, where does punter value stand in the NFL? Let's kick it! Glad you can make it. Welcome to Bills by the Numbers. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker. Bills Insider Chris Brown with you. And as the dust settles on the 2022 NFL Draft, it was hard not to notice the impact receivers made on the event. And not only the receivers that were drafted, but the ones that were traded in A.J. Brown and Hollywood Brown. It was a night for Browns, in case you didn't notice mm. that first night, Steve. What were you doing In that exchange night? Oh, yeah, for first, on. I was just watching it, yeah. in first-round picks. One that was used on another receiver. Here's the thing, Steve. Not only were Hollywood Brown and A.J. Brown traded for first-round picks, one of those picks was used on another receiver. And then the other was traded to the Bills for a cornerback, which, Steve, brings me to this. Looking back on the 2022 NFL Draft, what stuck with you overall? Well, first of all, it's like everybody said before the draft. There are no quarterbacks taken. And that the whole thing is driven. In a quarterback league that's driven by these guys, none of them were good enough this year coming out of college to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, even the Steelers took him at, took uh, their guy at 20, Pickett, from Pittsburgh, played at Pitt, right. same town. Like, couldn't have been a, a better, you they know. They even practice in the same right, facility. Right, yeah. It's like around the – it's in the same building. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the thing that sticks out at you the most, I think. And then the fact that it became and – and it's a great trend coming down. I great, I say great. Corners, wide receivers, pass rushers, mm. offensive linemen, everybody else is just an afterthought. I mean, it's linebackers are going the way when of the running back. When it's not a big quarterback draft. Right, when it's not a big quarterback draft. And even if it is – uh, those quarterbacks sprinkled in there kind of just spread the other those other linebackers. They're not drafted in the same volume. Yeah, linebackers are becoming the running backs now. They're nobody gets taken. You know, they, there's some that do. A couple well, of them. There's but, fewer of them on the field. But there's fewer there's, of them. Right. There's only about two on the field on defense now. Linebackers are coming in the second and third round, just like running backs have now done. You got to be really good just to climb into the second round as a running back. Uh, and it's an aberration when somebody takes one in the first round. So. It's really becoming about picking premium positions in the draft. Uh, you look at a team like the Jets here in the AFC East with us. They got three positions. They got the number one guy. Three in premium three positions. Premium positions. If you if you count running backs, but the pass rusher is he's top five. He's top five, and of course the run the receiver Wilson about. Garrett Wilson. And, of course, uh, Sauce Gardner coming out of Cincinnati. The cornerback, the wide receiver, the pass rusher, top three picks all in the first round for the Jets. That tells you what you want about where these the teams – it's more about the positions they're drafting than it is need or any of this other stuff. I mean, they need premier guys at, at important positions. The weakness of the quarterback class was spelled out with the top five picks. All five were defense. Right. Three quarterbacks taken in the top 69 selections. I mean, that's bad. Yeah. Um, and six receivers in the top 20 with two veteran receivers traded for top 25 picks. This draft 
was called the pass rusher draft going in. And yes, three in the top five, five in the top 30, 17 in the draft's first three rounds, pass rushers. But the receiver position matched that three-round total of 17, and when the draft was over, there were 26 pass rushers taken, 28 wideouts drafted. With where we saw the receiver market go in free agency this offseason, and then 28 wideouts picked, which was two more than the 26 defensive ends in what was called a pass rusher draft, (laughs) how much has receiver closed the gap on pass rusher in the pecking order of positions in this league? Oh, I think it's right there. Um, you think about it, the demand is high because the league, the way the league is structured now, almost every team has got a ton of snaps with three wides on the field. You rarely have you, two defensive ends, all you get, two pass, two edge rushers. You get three wide outs. You got to have guys to go in there, and you want them as good as you can get. So they're, they're looking for those guys. It's the simple mathematics. You have a greater need for depth at wide receiver than you do defensive end. You can get by with two defensive ends. You got to have three wide outs and maybe a fourth if you want to go that direction as well. Yeah. Now, certainly, you re rotate all these guys in and you got to have backups and all that. And I get that. But on the field, any given time, the Bills are almost always three wides. Right. And it was their most popular personnel grouping, as it was for the balance of the league 11 personnel is the most popular personnel grouping right. in the entire league and has been that way for about the last three yeah. or four years. The other thing, too, is in terms of the pecking order of positions in this league, for the longest time it has been quarterback followed by pass rusher. We had Brandon Bean on our daily show, One Bills Live, and I asked him this question, how close is it getting wide receiver in the pecking order? And he said it has not overtaken pass rusher in terms of importance and I think it's because it's harder to find a premier pass rusher than it is to probably find a premier wide receiver Whoa. but that being said it's, it's, it's gained ground, it's closed the gap and in terms of money Steve it's right there <laughs> Yeah, it's right there think about 30 this. million a year for Tyreek Hill I don't know, I gotta look it up is there a pass rusher making 30 million a year? I don't know if there is no. I don't think there is I don't think so and it's, it's not so much about pass rushers versus wide receivers as it is, in my opinion, pass rushers and corners. Because we have this big debate, what's the better part of a pass defense? Is it coverage or is it the rush? Certainly if you have a dominant rush, it gives you an edge, and we've all seen it, sacks and the quarterback. Right. But nowadays, teams have combated that with guys like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Pat Mahomes. Go down the list of guys who can get out of there and extend a play. Yeah. Uh, plays off script. It play off script. Making plays out of that. And that negates the cat pass rush. Even if you have a great offensive line, once in a while a guy's going to get through, even if you don't have a good pass rush. If the quarterback sidesteps it, rolls out one way or the other, gives an extra second and a half, your coverage better hold up. So there's a great debate as to whether it's not so much about pass rush wide receiver as it is about pass rush or coverage. And corners are becoming as big a part of the equation as anything. Since this is Bills by the Numbers, we took a look at recent draft history. In the last five drafts, there have been a total of 124 pass rushers taken for an average of just under 25 per year. As we mentioned, this year there were 26, so right on the average. At receiver, over the last five drafts, there have been a total of 159 selected for an average of 32 per year. 
What do we make of those numbers? It's true. I'm, wide receiver, I'll tell you what, the quality of wide receivers, and some of this is dictated by where they get their players from, college ranks. Uh, kids coming up through the lower levels of football, through seven-on-seven seven leagues, high school, middle school, junior college ranks, Division three, two, one, Power Five, all of them are starting to get more and more year-round football players, and they're getting really well-schooled in route running. So when you get up to the highest levels and you're going to go to the next level, the guys that are best prepared are these guys that are going to these seven-on-seven camps, running routes, yeah. competing in the off-season, and getting polished. you got guys coming out of college these days that are more polished than pros used to be in the 70s and 80s. They're way more polished. Now, the athleticism's kind of similar, mm-hmm. but man, oh man, they're full-time athletes. And th- that sh- the quality shows. They're well-schooled. And pros with quarterback, teams with quarterbacks, can't resist it. they got to give their guy a chance to win, be successful. If they've got all this money invested in a guy who's pulling the trigger, like a Josh Allen, Lamar Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and, and the rest, Mahomes, Roger, okay, go down the list. Well, you've got to have, you, you want to give them every chance to be successful, and they, they're going to keep pulling these wide receivers in and giving them chances. I think just forget about getting drafted in the NFL. Making a 53 as a wide receiver isn't a gargantuan task in today's right, NFL. But I would argue that there is more preferential treatment, isn't the word I'm looking for here. There is more of a lean to keep more receivers, not only on your 53, but on your practice squad as well, which under the CBA automatically will go up to 12, even if they don't keep the COVID rules of a 16-player practice squad. At the very least, it goes up to 12 this year under the new CBA. And I think there is not pressure, but there is a need to have receivers in your pipeline in the event you have an injury or two. Because, as we saw with the Bills, six receivers active every single week of the regular season. They had six on the roster, all six are up every week. And if somebody's injured, they're pulling somebody up from the practice squad, and they're active. I mean, we saw Isaiah Hodgins was active for the second Patriots game last year up in New England because they're down a man. Bring him up from the squad, bang, active, like immediately. Mm -hmm. And you want guys on the practice squad that know the offense so they can slide right in there. And as we saw in a previous podcast episode that we did here on Bills by the Numbers, Steve, there were even a half a dozen teams last year that carried seven receivers on their active roster. They weren't all active on game day, but seven receivers on your active roster, I think that's going to be a growing trend in this league. Teams are going to gravitate to going fat at receiver because of what it means for their passing game. I'm going to take it one step further with the receivers that are drafted. We said average of 32 per year. You're going to see more and more of those in the back half of the draft, especially for teams that have franchise quarterbacks. If you have a franchise quarterback, he will make a fifth-round receiver productive if the kid can run routes. That's right. Well, even if the kid's got some physical traits, if he's fast – uh, they'll like him if he can because you can teach him to catch and you can teach him the offense. You can teach him to run routes. 
you and the speed takes a long time to learn. Yeah. You can get a guy faster, but you're not going to transform him into a world-class sprinter, not in the time it takes for you to lose interest in him and, and cut him but, because you got another fast guy who's already fast, that but, kind of thing. But even if he doesn't have world-class speed, as long as he has a, a knack for separating... Yeah, if he's got traits. And you have a franchise quarterback, that kid's going to be productive. Right. And, and another thing, too, that you get these guys in here, <clears throat> there is this sort of uh, attitude where you get in there as a wide receiver, you bring what you bring to the table. Mm -hmm. You're expected to work on what you're not good at. Some of the, And that takes some time. Guys like Dawson Knox is a tight end. We saw him drop a huge percentage of 10%, his, 10 of his passes his rookie year. That's gone because he worked on it. The difference, it becomes a race for the young receivers. Because there is this pipeline coming into the league, it becomes a race for the young receivers to get good enough to beat out the guys who are coming out with better traits. And you're right. Uh, it's a it's an atmosphere in the league where if you've got that franchise quarterback, basically you need guys that can step on the field and know what they're doing. Offense is different than defense. On defense, 11 guys can blow the coverage and do the wrong thing. One guy makes a play, the whole defense looks good. Offensively, that ain't cutting it. One guy does the wrong thing, it's all shot. That's a difference, that subtle difference in offense and defense because of the choreography. You've got to have guys in the building yeah. who know the language, know the expectations, know the reasons they're calling plays, all of that stuff. And offensively, that's something they've got to have in place that a defense sometimes can get away without doing. Yeah. And that's why you need receivers, because when you got a franchise quarterback, you can't leave that guy hanging out to dry. Now, here is the twist. Da -da 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 -da. Despite all <laughs> that there is that we have covered here on receiver and pass rusher in the draft over the last five years of its history, there is another position that eclipsed both defensive end and wide receiver. That position would be cornerback. A total of 39 cornerbacks were taken in the 2022 NFL Draft. The same amount as last season. And here's the number that takes the cake. In the last five drafts, there have been a total of 165 cornerbacks taken. Exactly six more than receiver. An average of 33 per year. Steve, we've talked about how the boom of importance in receivers to NFL offenses is going to force teams to find more corners. That process already appears to be in motion. Do you expect that number to continue to climb? Yep. It's going to climb. Here's the reason why. Receivers, the quarterback can make a receiver better. Um, a receiver can be used as a decoy. A receiver can be you know, out there and not be your number one guy and just be available, whatever. He can, or he's a good blocker, that kind of thing. At corner, <laughs> you can get guys with some – they're out every once in a while. The offense is going to get in a spot where that corner is the linchpin of your entire defense. They got you. That corner's matched up with their guy. Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. Or Levi Wallace when Trey White's on the field. Or – Dane Jackson, when, when Trey White's off the field and, and Levi Wallace moves over. you got to have a guy out there who can get it done. Now, 
as a defense, you can call zone coverage or man coverage. You can, and every guy's got traits and instincts. And a defensive coordinator who is afraid of that can call things to cover for a guy. He can give him help from the inside. He can double team with him. He can. You, he doesn't have to leave him mm-hmm. on an island. But when you get into a situation where you have to do that, the entire rest of the defense is limited in what it can do. They are dictated by the fact they've got a weak link on the edge. They will look high and low for and, – and here's another thing, too. They'll look high and low for guys who can play out there by themselves and doesn't phase them. That's right. And we've talked about this on our daily show, One Bills Live, as well. As much as there is this constant supply of receiver talent, they're already talking about next year's receivers class is going to be even better than this one. Right. We've talked about it. It's harder to find elite level corners and the draft reflects it here's the key difference between receivers and corners i just told us told everybody how there were 165 corners taken in the last five drafts which outnumbers the number of receivers in the last five drafts 159 the key difference between receivers and corners in the last three years receivers have outnumbered corners in the first three rounds of the draft by a count of 47 to 39 we saw it again this year right look at the first round Six receivers in the top 20 picks, four corners taken. Right. They, they're harder to find. I'll say this. Because they got to do all the skills that you see a receiver possesses in reverse. Right. Running backwards. I'll say this, too. What doesn't get enough credit here is the ability for these guys to develop into top flight corners from a spot where you didn't know if they would, you know, like Darrell Rivas, Steph Gilmore, who was Defensive Player of the Year at one point of his career, mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey. Now, Jalen Ramsey came out, and he was highly talented, but none of those guys are first pick of the draft guys. He was a top five, Ramsey, but right. yes, you're right. He's a Sauce Gardner kind of guy. Yeah. I don't think a corner's ever been taken but number one But you overall. can get – there is a, a sense that when they get to the level of the NFL – there's going to be some development there. They're going to get better. So you can get a guy – all of a sudden, you get a guy that's lower in the draft, has got some physical tools – all of a sudden, he gets some schooling and starts to, and he and he turns into the right guy mentally. He's a and he gets hungry for it. Terrence McGee, Terrence McGee's a great one. Taron Johnson's a great one. Yeah, both fourth round draft choices. Taron Johnson's a great one. All of a sudden, you got a guy who's, you know, think about it. How important those guys are. The development that happens once they get into the league makes it so that it doesn't matter if it's the first round or the seventh round. You may get a guy. Mm-hmm. You may get a guy. Levi Wallace was a four-year starter on a number, and a, three of the four years he was here, they were number or top five defense. Last year they were number one, and for the last part of the season from Thanksgiving, he was CB one mm-hmm. on a number one ranked defense. He was undrafted. Yeah, that's where you can get these guys, and you say, you know what, we can go with that guy. Got to have player development, though. That's right. Got to have that. All right, time for the numbers game, where Steve will be quizzed on top five receivers and corners. In draft history. So let's go. We turn to the numbers game. And question one, Steve. This year's draft, as you know, a quarterback was not taken as the number one overall pick. Okay? So how many times in the last 15 drafts, going back to 2008, has a quarterback not been the number one pick overall? 15 drafts, last 15 how many times has a quarterback not been the number one pick overall? I'll say 15 drafts. How six. many times? 
you are very close. It is five times that a quarterback has not been the number a one. Third pick of the time. Um, three defensive ends, two offensive tackles were the right. number one pick in the draft from 2008 to 2022. I want to see if you can name three of these number one overall right. picks not who were quarter. not quarterbacks. Miles Garrett. That is correct. 2017. Joe Thomas? Not Joe Thomas. Joe oh, Thomas. Uh, no. no, no. Just didn't have the first one. Did Mekhi Becton? Not Mekhi Becton. He was a top 10 pick. Yeah. Who did the I will, You want me to give you the years to kind of help you out? Yeah, sure. Well, obviously, there was one this year. Who was it? Oh, it was uh, uh, Thibodeau. No. Oh. Number one overall. Oh, I can't remember. You can't remember the number one no, overall pick was? from He's last week? Guy? From Georgia? Oh, yeah. Um, I can't remember the guy. I can't keep those guys straight. Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker, okay. okay we so never now, talked about him because well, he was great. Right. Here are the other right, years. I couldn't remember the number one pick from this year. Here are the, the other. pressure's killing me. Here are the other years where the number one pick was not a quarterback in this 15-year span. 2008, 2013, and 2014. So you got... 2017 and 2022. I gave you Trayvon Walker. You got Miles Garrett. I need you to give me one more. So there's one pass rusher and two offensive tackles. They respectively began their careers. 2008, Miami had the number one pick. 2013, Kansas City had the number one pick. 2014, Houston had the number one pick. And they were not quarterbacks. Kansas City took Fisher, right? Eric Fisher. Good job, Steve. All right, so there, you've satisfied. I remember 2013 first pick. I couldn't remember the one that happened eight yes. days ago. Uh, um, so the other two were Jake Long, yeah. Miami, and for Houston, Jadavian Clowney. Oh, I would have gotten Clowney. Question three, eventually. eventually. Question three. In the last 15 drafts, how many times has a wide receiver been taken in the top five? Last 15 drafts, how many times has a receiver gone in the top five, do you think? How many times has that happened? Three. It's actually happened six times. Oh, all right. Six times. I need you to name three of those six receivers that went last. in the top five in the last 15 drafts. Julio. Julio was seventh overall. Oh. Last 15 drafts? Yeah. There was one just a couple of years ago in the 2021 draft. Who was the, who was the star receiver of the 2021 who draft? Had a giant rookie season. Odell. This past season. No, Odell. this past season had a giant rookie year. This past year. Went fifth overall. If I tell you the team, you'll get it immediately. But fifth overall, considered the best receiver in the class last oh, year. Jamar Chase. There you go, Jamar Chase to Cincinnati, fifth overall. Then uh, the other years are 2017, Tennessee Titans picked this receiver. Yeah, A.J. Brown. Not A.J. Brown. It's not A.J. Brown? No, A.J. Brown's younger than the 2017 Um I'll never get that. This receiver's, oh, no. this receiver's now with the Jets. He's not even with the Titans anymore. I couldn't tell you. It's Corey Davis. Oof. 2015, the Cowboys had the fourth overall pick and made this guy their choice. He was a receiver. He's no longer with them anymore. Des Bryant. Not Des Bryant. 
Guy's in Cleveland right now. Just moved this offseason in a trade. Not Jarvis. Jarvis? No, that was it. Nope. I don't know. Who trade? Who? That would be Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper was a top five pick? Fourth overall in 2015. By, by the... By the Cowboys. You're kidding. No. Oh. Uh, then the Bills had a top five pick at receiver. Or, sorry, the Raiders picked Amari yeah, Cooper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, the Raiders thought. picked yeah, Amari yeah, yeah. Cooper. Yeah. Um, he got traded to the Cowboys. The Bills have a top five receiver pick in this span of time. Sammy. Sammy Watkins, fourth overall in 2014. The Bengals had another top five selection. A.J. Green. A.J. Green. And then the last one you are absolutely not going to get, the Jacksonville Jaguars in Wait. 2012. Fifth overall. I can't remember. He's got a light. Yeah, go ahead. Tell me. Do you want me to give you his initial, see if you can get him? Right. J.B. He was a bust. Blackwood? Close. Justin Blackman. Blackman. Yeah. And Corey Davis was the other to the Titans in 2017. Fifth. Think about overall. Them. There's some there's some guys in there that had no business. So three guys picked fourth, Cooper, Green, and Watkins. Three guys picked fifth. Jamar Chase, Corey Davis, Justin Blackman. You Bonus question. Right. You gotta be right. Do that, man. Bonus question. Yeah. How many times since the AFL NFL merger in nineteen seventy has a wide receiver been taken first overall in the draft? How many times? Once. Twice. Megatron? No, he was second overall. Wow, he should have been first overall. Should have. 45-inch vertical. Yeah. And he's, he, listen. And he was 6'5". He was 6'5". And in cleats, he's like 6'7". Megatron. And, four, and he three. jumps almost four feet four, in the three. He's 4'3". 4'3". 4'5". And he was from another planet, that guy. And who's so the other one? And what I will give you the other one. No, that he wasn't taken first overall. Okay. He was second. Okay. So the, I will give you the two years that a receiver was taken first overall in the draft. Only happened twice. 1984, which should click for you immediately. And then 1996. 1984. Yeah, you should, you would, you're going to be mad if you don't get this one. Oh, Jerry Rice? No. Nope. No, he was nah. the 85 draft. Jerry Rice was the 85 draft? No, he wasn't. He was before that. Oh, no. 83 draft? Um, 84 was the year before I came out. That's right. That's the year. You know this guy. That is Tim Brown. It is not Tim Brown. It was the 88 draft. Won the 87 Heisman, won the 88 draft. So, 1984, number one overall. This will give it to you. Two New Englands. Oh, Irving Fryer. Irving Fryer, yes. Number one overall Irving in the 84 Fryer. draft. The other in the 1996 what draft. What a stud. I get that. The other one in the 1996 draft, not as big a stud, but went first overall. To who? The New York Football Jets. Jets. Altoon? No. Not Altoon. Rob Moore. Nope. Both of those guys were first-round picks, but not first overall. I couldn't tell you who that is. Keyshawn. Oh Johnson. my gosh. He was first over. Keyshawn was first overall. 1996 NFL draft. Good for him, man. Wow. So that is That's the numbers amazing. game. How about that for some man, draft I'm history for you? Senile and used up <laughs> right now, man. You got Irving Fryer. 
Right now on FanDuel, it's risk-free betting where you can get up to $1,000 back. If you don't win, just sign up today by going to sportsbook.fanduel.com or by downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Bet teasers, props, parlays, and more. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the Buffalo Bills. We move ahead to a guy who was part of NFL Network's draft coverage. It's former NFL wide receiver and NFL Network analyst James Jones. James, let's just get started right off the top. What are the headlines that grabbed you about this last draft we just experienced? Oh, man, the headlines for me was one quarterback taken in the first three rounds. I mean, that, that that's crazy. I mean, well, I would say the first two rounds. I mean, to go just one quarterback at Kenny Pickett in the first round and then none in the second, and then for these quarterbacks to come off the board in the third, I thought that was I thought that was real shocking right there. I at least thought, okay, I know it wasn't no bona fide number one quarterback that you thought would really change a franchise, but you didn't think they would sit that long. Yeah, and as it's, it was called the pass rushers draft, but as we've been noting yeah. here, there were more wide receivers taken than pass rushers, and there were more corners taken than anybody. What's that tell you about where the league is headed? Well, we all know this is a passing league, you know, so you got to get after the quarterback. You got to be able to defend the pass and you want to have some receivers that can be able to do it all, man. That's just where this game is going. So uh, you see all straight off the board. I mean, you got to come get the pass. You got to make those passers, those quarterbacks, you know, shoot uncomfortable. You guys have a really, 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 I can keep on going really good one down there in Buffalo. So you want to make sure you can get them quarterbacks uncomfortable uh, with the pass rushers. You got to be able to defend the pass. And obviously, you know, receivers make this league go. <laughs> we talked to, to you lead up to the draft. We talk about this stuff all the time. And in the lead up to this draft, we watch the combine. And some of these guys, for most of us, guys like me, they some of these guys come out of nowhere. A guy like Sky Moore, who was really highly yeah. touted, didn't know who he was. Then he comes to the to this combine, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, everybody wants this guy. How many guys are there like Sky Moore who come in? shoot a shoot a rock to come off like a rocket at the combine and then turn out to be really good pros you know man i, I shoot i i mean it's a lot of them you know but just just touching on sky more man i it's crazy i was i was sitting at home and you know i was watching some of these receivers and i put his tape on and i'm like my goodness like this dude can really play you know like he has everything you want body control route running and all that but i'm just like okay can he run can he separate i mean he's showing it on film he can separate and then to come out to the combine and run 4-4 and then when you watched him in his route running and all that he was the best in his he was the best in his group i, I thought you know sky Moore. and then same with, with one of the young fellas you guys got khalil shakir out of boise state i mean he's a guy that i was really high on that could go that I feel like he's in a really good situation out there in Buffalo with what he has around him. Yeah, and you talk about you know, the Bills jumping on the bandwagon with the rest of the league. So many corners taken. The Bills take Kair Elam in the first round, a big rangy corner, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of physical traits. Then they double up and go with James Cook, who you, you, in a wide receiver Ooh. draft, the Bills go running back, but yet it's a running back that's going to help them more really in the passing game. So the Bills kind of doubled up, a pass defender and really a pass catcher at an off position. I truly feel like the Bills had the best draft. I know everybody's talking Baltimore. I know everybody has a couple teams that you could talk, but I felt like the Buffalo Bills addressed exactly what they needed to go on an extremely talented football team. The knock on the Buffalo Bills last year was, can they run the ball? Are they going to depend on Josh Allen to make all these plays with his legs and his arm? They need to find a consistent runner. Well, you go out, you get James Cook, 
the brother of Dalvin Cook, who can really do it all just like Dalvin Cook. He can run in between the tackles. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, at Georgia, they had him lined up at a number one wide receiver in the slot. I mean, he did it all. So he's going to be a mismatch problem for a lot of these linebackers, and he's an explosive young player. And then in the first round, to go get Elam, the cornerback out of Florida, to put him on the other side of Tredavious White, to already a talented defense with Micah Hyde and, those, and Pryor and those boys back there, I thought they addressed exactly what they needed to go make a run for the Super Bowl. It was a big question coming in. This will be the last question I have for you, James. The Bills came in in this offseason. A lot of people have them, hey, they're the Super Bowl favorite. They're the, the expectations are through the roof. And there was a lot of question marks as to whether any of these draft picks could really come in on a roster as talented and as deep as the Bills have put together. Could any of these young players really come in and contribute? Give me your idea. Kair Elam, James Cook, maybe Shakir. Which of those yeah. three guys do you think comes in and makes the biggest splash for a team that's, who has already sky-high expectations? Well, I think I think the, the first and second rounder, Elam and, and, and Cook, have a chance to come in and be immediately impact right away. You know what I mean? Um, you plug those guys in on, on defense and offense, I think they're going to have an impact right away. Now, if I just had to touch on one, it would be the running back. I think the coaching staff is going to find so many ways to be able to get this young player in space. And James Cook, I mean, he's going to be one of those guys, like I said, can be an every down back. I think he's going to have a big, big role on this Buffalo Bills offense. I mean, there's so many different formations you can use him in. I think he's going to have a big impact on this offense day one. I think they up there right now in the building drawing plays as me and you are talking right now trying to get James Cook the ball. But I think those first two rounders is going to have a big impact. I think I think uh, Shakir, I think his, his role will kind of increase each week. I think once we start kind of getting into week five, week six and all that, Josh Allen starts to trust him a little bit and they start to try to find ways to where, you know, they, they know his strengths. I think him him and uh, Stefan Diggs and the guys they got over there, I think he's going to see, see some opportunities. James Jones, can't thank you enough for being with us today. Appreciate it. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, it's time for our one burning question. In the 2022 NFL draft, we saw three punters get drafted. Two of them came off the board in the fourth round within four picks of each other. Baltimore took Jordan Stout, and Tampa took Jake Camarda from Penn State and Georgia, respectively. They went in round four, and then the Bills took Matt Ariza at the top of round six. The burning question is, what is the value of punter in today's NFL, where teams are going for it on fourth down more than ever, and some of the best offensive teams in the game are punting less than 50 times a season? Yeah. It's What's the value of a punter now? There's a lot in this question. It's interesting because you've got you want to maximize every spot on your roster. And think about it. When you're going to draft a kid as a punter, you know he's going to have a big leg. And the crucial part of it is field position. And when you're in a game on three plays and you're going to you're going to give the ball back to your opponent and everybody's got a Pat Mahomes, everybody's got a you know Joe Burrow, everybody's got a Kyler Murray and a Aaron Rodgers and a Tom Brady. I mean, you go down the list, the quarterback, Russ Wilson, go down the list in the AFC alone in your conference. You want to keep that guy backed up. And if you've got a punter that can do it, you've got to take it. Plus, you know, even as a fourth rounder or as a sixth rounder, sometimes you get a guy, if you've got a good team, it's going to be tough for those guys to make the roster. That punter is going to make – all three of these punters are going to be on the 53. 
There's just no way around it. They're going to be that good. And it's because it's not, it's the spot on an NFL team that is probably the least different than a college kid. Maybe the kicker mm. is a little, is the same or more the same. As a punter, it is exactly the same playing against top flight NFL people as it is against Division three athletes. Catch the snap, punt it, jog after it. So they have less of a job adjusting to that particular part mm -hmm. of their job. So as long as they're going to be out there and you've got a te teams like the Bills and like the other teams who took, you know, Tampa Bay and uh, you think about it, Tampa Bay took it and Baltimore. Baltimore. These are teams with playoff hopes, and the Bills certainly fall into that. Yep. They, gotta, they want to take a guy, they're going to maximize that spot on their roster and, and try and squeeze out a big net punt average on the season, even though it may be only 50 times that they use him. I think the other thing to note here is a little bit, not to a tremendous extent, but a little bit of cost control, especially as it pertains to Baltimore. They have a veteran punter in uh, Cook who's been there for a long time, and even at a veteran minimum, you probably don't want to be spending two and a half to, you know, almost $3 million on a punter, especially when you're going to be paying your quarterback big money, as they presumably will do with Lamar Jackson sure. in the not-too-distant future. And so anywhere you can get cost control, you try to do that. The Ravens, the Bucks, and the Bills presumably will get that in the form of a punter on a rookie contract. That's number one. I think punters are always going to have a place in the game, and NFL clubs will always look for every edge they can get in any phase of the game. So if you can acquire a punter that can consistently impact field position, as Steve mentioned, and yes, there is value because that's helping your defense by giving them a longer field to defend or not forcing them to cover a punt because you've got a punter that can hang it up 40 yards and force fair catches. The only place I think it'll change is once those punters get to their second contracts, and now we're back in that same cycle. Veteran punter, if he's a lights-out, all-world punter, he's going to be looking for top-of-the-market money. And if you're in a place where, you know, your cap is a little compromised, that's a place where you can save, provided there are others in the pipeline coming through the draft. So right. I think more teams could potentially gravitate towards top college punters to get the cost control for a position that may factor into only 50 to 60 plays a season. There's only uh, one. How do you weigh that? Right. Like, this guy's going to be on the field for 50 plays a season. I mean, he might hold two for kicks, but in terms of doing his actual job, he's on the field for 50 plays a season, Steve. The magic potion will be this. When you get a kid like a Matt Ariza that the Bills drafted, a guy who can punt and punt with a big leg and kick. Oh, double duty. If he can, if he can be a money place kicker, and prove his worth if he's consistent, hits it like as good as Matt, uh, Tyler Bass is. You know, when he can hit 80 to 90% of his field goals and punt, mm. that will be a magic elixir for NFL teams. You get an, a, a valuable roster spot back. Now you can keep an extra defensive end, an extra corner, an extra whatever. You can maximize your roster. That would be the holy free. grail. It's, that's, teams are looking for that. And here's and the other they, thing, and too. It's, and maybe it's out there at some point. Ten years ago, teams would be worried about kickers or punters getting a dead leg. Um, Brian Mormon, when he was here in his prime, he was, ha he was punting 84 times a year because right. 
the offense wasn't that great, number one, and the fourth down analytics did not exist back then. Right. That said to go for it, he'd punt 84 times a year. Mm-hmm. You worry about a dead leg. Double duty wasn't even an option. There yeah. was no way that was an With, option for a kicker kicking off and attempting field goals and then punting on top of that 84 becomes, times a year. It becomes a not Monday, possible. It becomes a Monday through Saturday sports science problem. Make sure he's fresh on Sunday. If he kicks on Sunday, if he kicks three times, three field goals or five field goals on Sunday or four field goals on Sunday, three to five is kind of the number, right? Kicking off. Kicking off. Um, you come out, and on Monday, he does the same thing. He comes out, works hard, goes through it. On Tuesday, comes in, gets a day off. Wednesday, comes in and punts and kicks all day. And then all of a sudden, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, he does nothing. So – and also, That's, it's just a balance of getting ready. You can do it, no question about it. And he, this dead leg thing, I get it, but no, sports science well, will take care of that. He'll be fresh on Sunday and he'll be able to Well, kick. not to mention the fact that if you have a, dy- a dynamic offense that's putting up 28, 30 points a game, there's a good chance your punter's punting two times right. a, a game. Yeah. And do you make a kicker into a punter? Just to get by, or do you take a punter with a big leg and make him a kicker that's going to hit 55 yarders? In 2020, Corey Bohorquez for the Bills punted what, 38 times the entire season? It was less than 40. Right. I mean, he had fewer attempts than Bast, uh, Bass did, right. or whoever the kicker was. Was it Bass in 2020? Yeah, he was a rookie in 2020. He had less, less punts than Bass had field goal attempts. Yeah. So, you know, weigh that out. If you get if you have a juggernaut offense then, where your yeah. punter's not being or, used all that much, maybe Steve's thing can happen where you can have you get, one guy doing both jobs. Or you get a tight end who can punt. Oh my gosh. Now we're now we're really Paul getting Paul McGuire did it back in the sixties with yeah. the Bills. You, and it's not outlandish. And he was a linebacker. He was right? a linebacker. It's not outlandish. Um everybody fools around and can punt. And it, there'll be uh, there will be a niche for a guy who can Cookie Gilchrist used to kick off. Right. Right? Exactly. It's just a it's just a big kick. You know, get a guy with a long leg who can swing it and teach him. Direct it a little bit. I, I was the Bills emergency kicker. Oh, okay. And I was not soccer style. I had a square-toed shoe on the sidelines every game. No kidding. And you know, so <laughs> it's not it's not crazy to think that. You know, they're, well, they'll widen that spectrum of guys they look for. And as the punter, punts become less and less prevalent, I mean, I don't know if they're going to go away. Yeah, and think about this, too, on kickoffs, with it being five year, yards closer, you just need a guy that can kick it through the back of the end zone if That's you want right. to dumb it down. That's right. If you want to dumb it down, just get a guy who can boom it. And, and it's not that hard to find. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be come down to you'll have a place kicker. Um, one of the wideouts can hold for him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you, the kickoff guys just – you know, also a punter. Just boot it down there. So, yeah. I, I, it's going to be interesting it to is see where it be goes. Interesting. We'll see where it goes. And, I, and I'm sure that there are guys out there who, coaches out there, or maybe a philosophy or some scuttlebutt that's like, you know, if you can just get by as a punter and you're a pretty good linebacker or, you know, mm. if you're a kicker who can kind of punt or a punter who can kick really well, you may be able to save a team a roster spot, and I'm telling you, that is a holy grail. Which brings to, brings to mind a whole different value when it comes right. to punter. That'll do it for this edition of Bills by the Numbers. Subscribe so you know when our next episode drops. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. 
Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.